Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, and today on the Rock Metal Podcast, we have Asiola Cry, who has a new album called The Ironic Divide, which is released on March 26th via Sensory Records. Right now, I'm being joined by Jason to share some more information about what the band has got going on. So, Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely great to have you on. And for those out there who don't know, this is my little lady, Avila, who is going to be joining us today on this episode. Yeah, groovy. Okay, so let's let's get down to the brass tacks here, Jason. All right. The ironic divide. What's ironic about it? <laughs> uh, so let me take a step back and, and tell you. So when I start writing music, I like to create a was essentially a movie in my head. So it starts with uh, just this this general script idea. And so with this one, I was thinking at the time a lot about the idea of nature versus nurture and the idea of how are people, how do people become evil? Are we born with this in us? Or is it something that happens throughout our days on Earth? And so I started with that idea and then started to put together a, a, a somewhat of a storyline in my head about our protagonist and how he becomes this bad person, so to speak. So that divide was the divide inside of his mind. Where was it that he takes a left-hand turn, so to speak, and goes down the road of evil. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so that is, that, that's that is the ironic divide. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Is there, I guess there's so many, um, a bajillion questions I guess I have then uh, for you. So this character that we're seeing with the long face, this is the guy. Who's going to be taking a left-hand turn within, I guess, the course of the story. Are there events that happen to him that maybe sway this argument one way or the other? Like, do you come to a conclusion in this album? Yeah. So the, the title track, the ironic divide, the 21 minute long song is the one that is the pushing and pulling. That's why it was written in the way it was, where it was, it's, it's a pretty long song. But it wa- I wanted to have that, that feeling of he, he's feeling this pull one way, but he still kind of wants to re- resemble a little bit of what is considered more normal. So it's this kind of, uh, transition period for the character. The the way it ends is alluded to in the last song title, Scars Now Rest Where Once Bore Wings, where I, I thought of this idea of us all being born uh, angelic, and this character no longer resembled that uh, angel-type person, so there were no more wings for this character. Mm. So it takes the, the, the left turn. Okay. I'm immediately <laughs> thinking of 
that scene in The Godfather, you know, where he's standing. I think it's he's standing in the light or half of him is in the light. And you can mm. see him making that decision and then he goes off into the shadows. Yeah. <laughs> Classic film. Yeah. Very cool. Now, I guess one of my other questions was going to be, since we're talking about nature versus nurture in, in this, did you do a bunch of research into what, I don't know, who, who would be doing research on that? Psychologists, psychiatrists, sociologists? Yeah. So it actually started when I was in school. Uh, I was taking a bunch of child psychology classes, and that's where my interest really started and where a lot of the research, at least in the early formations, came from. After that, I just became very fascinated with the topic. So I started buying my own books and just doing my own research on it because, uh, you know, after writing a paper on it, it really just made me realize, wait, this isn't just something I'm doing for school. I actually really enjoy this topic. This is something I find quite fascinating. So I delved a little deeper into it over the course of time, bought some different books, and, and I've gone back to some of even my old school books just because I, I, I find it a really interesting idea. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And you see what this child is doing right now? This is this is evil, Jason. <laughs> There was, was no nurturing in this decision this child made right here. This is all nature right here. Yes. <laughs> well, and I mean, the other thing, too, that is fascinating is it's instrumental, right? Right. How do you tell a story that way in the way that you've, you've done? So uh, the way I think of it is... I'm the type of person who goes and sees a movie and more often than not, I walk out thinking about the music of the movie, not necessarily the plot line, the acting or anything that happened in the story, because a great soundtrack can completely change the way you feel about a movie. So for me, this instrumental music is just really that it's, it's the soundtrack to a movie that uh, I want there to be some ambiguity there because I want everybody to have a little bit of their own interpretation and that movie might look different in everybody else's minds. But giving a little bit of the story away puts plants the seed for what the story is about and then people kind of put their own movie together with this being the soundtrack to it is kind of how I think of it. So it's working more as the soundtrack versus feeding them the words and the lines, say, for example, with a song with lyrics where that is the case. It's meant more to leave the listener to interpret it and put their mind mind to uh, work with creating a a film almost in their own head. Uh Exactly. And then speaking of films, we have some music videos here to accompany – the record, which have some some stellar cinematography, which also mention uh, not mentions, but uh, it seems to echo the the photo shoot that I see at least from from the website. So I guess maybe take us through this photo shoot. Take us through and cowards the music video. What were you guys? Okay. What were you guys going for? So that I wanted to allude to the story. I wanted there to be 
you know, a little bit of a visual cue for where the story was heading, but without, again, I think there was a lot of ambiguity in it, uh, and that's intentional. There's a lot of symbolism within it, which I hope that people kind of formulate their own thoughts on. Um, it's the, It starts with that story of, of that character from the album cover, mm -hmm. and... It starts to show his his demise, his um, his pushing and pulling that's happening within his mind uh, of this idea of you know turning bad in some way, shape, or form. So again, I I, I intentionally have it, it be somewhat vague so that there's not a whole lot. Uh, you know, it's not telling the story exactly the way I foresee it, but more that there's some interpretation to it. But the the gist of it is that that is the beginning of his decline in that video. It's the first song off the album. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, Jason, but is is there a sequel coming where he turns around? Uh, no, I do have the concept for the next album and it, it plays a little bit into this, but it's, uh, it's a little bit of a departure. So I would say this one ends with the idea that, um, he has done wrong and does not know how to fix it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how far down the rabbit hole have we gone with wrong? Like, are we talking like, Serial killer status here. <laughs> I think that's where I leave it to interpretation. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't necessarily want to put uh, any thoughts into anybody's mind, but it's just definitely something. You know, what 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 is considered normal by most standards? I would say it's it's not that he he's gone too far. Um, what that too far means to, it can be individualistic and terms of like uh you know it could be that for some people as you mentioned but i don't think that wasn't necessarily where my mind went but it could be okay okay so this could be you know you've had too many pieces of cheesecake or it could be you know it could be it could be could be now something that i noticed in particular was the Guitar you've got over in the in the corner there, and then I went to their website because I saw in the credits that you specifically play war guitars, and so maybe take us through that instrument, how you got inspired into it, and how it plays a role in what you're doing here with Azula Cry. Yeah, it's huge in, in the role of this band. So the short story of how I got into it was that uh, I was a bass player, and... I was doing a lot of tapping on the bass. So back in the day, I was watching, you know, Billy Sheehan or Stu Hamm doing his their tapping stuff on what uh, on a bass, and just started doing a lot of that myself. Somebody came up to me at a show I was doing and said, "You know, there's an instrument designed specifically for tapping, and it's called a Chapman stick." So I became interested in it, bought one. In fact, you don't see it in the camera, but over there is a, my first Chapman stick. And played that 
for, I don't know how many years, and then found that the, 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 the Chapman stick is probably the most famous version of the touch style of guitar, but for me it lacks something in that, that body of a war guitar gives. So if you see, it, it looks more like an actual guitar, just a really thick, long, bigger neck because you've got 12 strings on it. Uh, so it, it just, for me, it, it's just a personal preference. I like the war guitar more than the Chapman stick, but uh, like Tony Levin plays the Chapman stick, and he's done quite well with that. So fact is, is uh, there's, I wouldn't say one's better than the other, but for me personally, I really enjoy the war guitar. So as it plays into the band sound, what it's done is it's, it, it just opens up an entirely different way of composing music. So the way it's played, I don't know how familiar you are with it, but there are 12 strings. The one I play, I, I play six and six, so it's the bass strings are um, played by the left hand. Okay. And if you notice, like, uh, the lowest string is in the, in the middle of the neck, if you see on the picture there. So you're playing that out. It's in fifths. And then the guitar side is too like a normal guitar. And you're playing that with your right hand. So what I've done with it is there, there's there's... Parts of As You'll Cry where I play the role of bass player and I'm playing more the bass part of it. There's parts where I'm playing more that of a, maybe a rhythm guitarist and both hands are playing at the same time. And then I don't think one of the things I don't know if people actually realize, but half of the solos are mine and half of the solos are Mike's, the guitarist. So you don't always know who's taking a guitar solo because the war guitar actually also sounds like a guitar. Mm. So it, it opens up a plethora of possibilities for the band because uh, when I write on it, I just think, I think I write differently. I, I think differently with the instrument. So it, it creates something somewhat unique as a result of it. Okay, cool. And something else I noticed was the production team on the record because I saw Ted Jensen in there dropping, yep. dropping some big bucks on old Teddy. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> for any, anybody listening who doesn't know who Ted Jensen is, he's like the guy for mastering. Guys yeah. probably got ears worth a bajillion dollars. Probably has an insurance policy on like a billion dollars per ear or something. Um, yeah, go to his website. His, his list of uh, past albums is unbelievable. <laughs> Oh, little lady. So what was the decision to work with the production team? I remember uh, his name, and then I'm trying to remember the other, uh, the mixing engineer's name, but um, why these Steven. guys? Yeah, why these guys? So Transient Sound is a little bit of, uh, there's a connection there for me. So uh, a friend of mine uh, is a co-owner there. So there's the connection into Transient Sound, and then having... Uh, Stephen Gillis mix it was just because we wanted it to be the best it could be. Mm -hmm. So we went with him. And then when he was done with it, he said, I think there's only one person that you're going to want to master this. 
<laughs> and, and he convinced me that he let, let's do it. So we sent it off and the rest is history. But yeah, it just became where, you know, one step, we had waited so long and this took out this album took us a while to get put together so at that point it just became let's let's do it and let's do it right so one thing led to another and that's how that got put together with with the names that we had involved in the record mm-hmm. absolutely my mouse go there's my mouse going back to my notes here sweet so we've chatted about nature versus nurture we've chatted about essentially movie soundtracks we chatted about war guitars we chatted about ann cowards we chatted about the music video we chatted about the photo shoot we chatted about ted jensen we chatted about did we chat about where once four wings i don't think we have no well it's the last song it it, it was it was originally intended to be two songs the way i had written it was that it was supposed to be scars now rest was one song and where Once More Wings was going to be its own song. Once we recorded it, it, and it just felt right to put them together. And I mean, they were always intended to be, you know, songs that were supposed to be together, but not necessarily the same song on the album. So what we did is uh, for the CD, we put them as one long song. It would have come to about 13 minutes long. But when we put out a pre-release single, uh, it was my opportunity to kind of treat it the way I initially had envisioned it. So we put out just the Where Once Bore Wings portion of it as a single. So it allowed that opportunity to, like, as I originally saw it, but... (laughs) See, Where Uh, Once Bore Wings, now she's flying. Yeah. But uh, it, it got put together on the album, and, I, and I'm happier the way it is on the album like that. It's just it's nice to also see it in its split-up form, too, for the, the single that we did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of an odd question, Jason. How do you, sure. how do you write a song that long? Uh, so really, you just start... And you just keep going. You just never stop. Uh, <laughs> you just never stop. <laughs> it really is the key to it. No, I, I, I think that <laughs> I think that it. I, I just I knew that in in my mind, the story that I'm I'm playing, kind of in my mind, this movie that I'm playing in my mind. I know there's a lot happening in this part of it. So when I write these longer songs like that, it's, it's usually because I'm seeing the action of the story. And so until I feel like, you know, the part has come to an end where that is the end of that part of the movie, so to speak, in my mind, um, I keep going with it and, until it gets to that point. So it, there really isn't any... You know, I don't go into it saying this song is going to be this long as much as this is where we are at in the the script, so to speak. And this is going to require this happening, this happening, this happening. I want it to slow down because there's the contemplative moment where he's doing this. And so all of that kind of plays into and eventually becomes a 
song that I, I, I'm always somewhat amazed at the end. Like I don't, I don't consciously write them to be that long. It's once they're done and all of a sudden I look and say, like, Oh goodness, I, that's 21 minutes. <laughs> Not- <laughs> <laughs> Where did the time go? I don't, I don't even know. Right? <laughs> wow. And then I guess the other guys, how do they, do they get involved in the story? Like, do you tell them like, Hey, this is the, the script that we're going for. And yeah, to a certain extent, like I, what I've what I've done this time around a lot more than in the past is I used to keep my scripts in my own head. It was basically like I wanted people to interpret everything entirely on their own. And what I found was that it was somewhat being missed on people because they weren't necessarily getting it. When I would just put out maybe a one sentence you know, idea of what the album, I don't think people really understood it as a full, complete soundtrack to something that just hasn't been put into a film form yet. Right. So for this one, I created a lot more of the storyline and gave people more of it, and including the band members, because I felt like I, it was time to still give people a little bit of an interpretation behind it, but also not be so vague that people don't understand anything about it at all. So there's definitely a little bit more that I've given this time to the storyline so that people can kind of latch on to it, take what they want from it. Uh, They can listen to my version or they can make up a little bit of their own version. But the fact is, is it's at least the the general sense of what the story is about is there for them now this time. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, usually you'd be doing shows and tours in support of the record, but I imagine in Chicago, just like everywhere else, there's probably not any shows happening anytime soon. No. The the timing is... I, I don't know. I, I look at it two different ways. The timing is perfect because I feel like this is the soundtrack for this moment. Um, but this moment does not help us get out there play shows and and, and do the, all those things that's the ironic divide jason <laughs> yeah there, there you go <laughs> i i think we just hit it on the head right there <laughs> so i guess what's happening in the meantime then are you guys working on we have uh so we did the video for Ann Cowards. We have uh, a couple more videos in the works. We're doing to we have done in the next month. So, so we've been working on that, and then I, I I keep pushing it off, hoping that something changes. But we might just end up doing some form of live stream uh, show or kind of some of some nature because it just feels like I, I keep hoping that. Clubs open up, everything will kind of, but it doesn't seem like that yet. So I don't want it to be something where we don't get out there and, and play in front of people. So we're going to figure something out. So all that kind of stuff is what's happening behind the scenes right now, just so that we can promote the record the way it should be. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, fantastic. So we chatted about. War Guitars and Coward Through Once Poor Wings, The Ironic Divide, Nature versus Nurture, Movie Soundtracks, Live Shows, What's Coming Up Next. 
We didn't chat about your favorite kind of pizza. Oh, you're from Chicago. This is a good question. Which family do you prefer for, if you even prefer, Chicago-style pizza? Are you like a Illuminati's kind of guy? I'm a Illuminati's guy, yeah. Totally Illuminati's. Okay. In fact, the, the, where I'm at right here is close to the original Illuminati, so we go to the original one. Ooh, boom. That's good knowledge that you knew Illuminati's. Mm-hmm. Uh, years ago. Years ago, I lived in the, uh, oh, where is it? Bartlett, Bartlett, Illinois. Okay. And now, the funny thing is, I mentioned that to people from Chicago, and they're like, where's that? So, I, from what I recall, it was in the Chicagoland area somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. And so, we, at the time, had gone to, like, Luminati's Geno's, mm-hmm. and there's Rosati's, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I remember. I remember those. The one that most people know because they somewhat commercialized is Uno's. Did, okay. Did you ever? Yeah. Uno's. They made some chains with that one. Uh, did you mention Gino's? Yeah, Gino's. Yeah. Because if I remember correctly, it all started as one and then it broke off, right? I think so. Okay. Well, I, you're really. Pushing my Chicago knowledge. Um, <laughs> it sounds about right. <laughs> I want to say it started off as Uno's, and then the family split up, and it became Luminati's, Gino's, and Rosati's. But I'm probably maybe Giordano's. Giordano's too. Okay, it's a big one. Yeah, I could be wrong. Somebody, somebody in the comments is probably going to chew me a new one, but it's okay. Yeah, and I hope I didn't let down <laughs> Chicago with not knowing that answer. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. But yeah, I haven't had Chicago-style pizza in a very long time because where I live, there are no Chicago-style pizza places. Mm. Yeah. Who knows has started to make it around the country, hasn't it? I thought that they did some form of... I mean, I don't think it's the same, but... I think there is a version of Uno's that you can even buy in the stores, frozen version or something. Else. Yeah. Uh, I think there is frozen. And I know some of those places are actually shipping, like from the restaurant, I think. Yeah, that's true, too. I think they do that. Yeah. Groovy. Okay. That's, where, that's the best, though. Okay. Luminati's is the best. Right here, right now, it's been said on the Rock Little <laughs> Podcast with my special guest, Jason Blake. Boom. Luminati's is where you go. And uh, sweet. Okay, is there anything that we missed, Jason, that we should have talked about? Um, I think so. I mean, there's all the usual things. We're online at uh, all, the, all the places to go, Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. The website, uh, I always like to spell it because people might not know how to spell it, A-Z-I-O-L-A-C-R-Y.com, as you all cry. Um, I think that's it, though. Okay, great. Avila, do you have any questions? No? No questions? Okay. Well, Jason, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Hello, hello, or should I say goodbye, goodbye? Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Metal Podcast. I've been your host, John Harris. Please head over to our website at www.therockmetalpodcast.ca. 
There you can sign up for our newsletter and find out more information about today's show.